0: It's so great to see you. Welcome to Resilient Woman One Night. It's empty in here. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) Hey, if you're online or in overflow, man, it's an honor for all of us to still be kinda together. And it's great. Thank God for technology, right? That we can do this and you can sense the power and the presence of God right where you are. And we know that we've been sensing it already here tonight, amen? You know what I love about us gathering before I get into anything today? I think what sets our church apart, not from every church in the world, but you know, a lot of churches is you, how you come. And every time we do a resilient woman and now the men are experiencing the same fire, it's truly the hunger in which you come. Like 500 of you came in with this expectation, God is showing up. And when you bring that type of expectation, he has no choice because he's a man of his word. Um, the hunger is palpable. It's almost like I can't help but feel like I have to do business in this place. I almost feel like I, I don't have time to mess around because time is precious and you guys came because you know his word is precious and you're desperate from heaven to hear from heaven tonight. And so before I go any further, I feel like I come tonight with an important assignment. It's different. Um, I say that every time. I should probably stop saying that because <laughs> every time I say it's different. Um, but this one is different. I've never preached a message that is a to-be-continued message. You see, this message is actually a precursor to what I believe is really going to be the weekend. Um, Actually, my one responsibility, my one assignment that I felt very strongly from heaven tonight was to get you ready, was to get you ready. To get us ready for our mountaintop experience. You see, in the Bible, whenever Moses or even Jesus or the disciples went for a few days away to pray, to seek God, to encounter God, It was always in those moments that they would hear him clearer, get clearer perspective, clearer vision, and almost like they would experience the supernatural in a different way. So I wanna tell you what you guys are gonna be doing in 40 days is a mountaintop experience. Like Moses who went to be with God away from the familiar, away from home, away from even our church home, you're going to go for a few days to encounter God, to seek his face, to hear his word, so that you can come home and experience a paradigm shift. Because one of the things that I know for darn sure is our church does not exist just to have some nice Christian people populating this part of New Jersey. Our church has a mission to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Our church is not just for entertainment, actually nothing further from it. Our church will challenge you, will offend you. Our church will step on your toes. You will have the opportunity to be offended and you will be given the responsibility as a woman of God to learn forgiveness. Because hell is real. And we have a responsibility to take our walk with Christ very seriously. Because as we do, miracles from heaven unlock here on earth. And will you be the mouthpiece? Will you be the vessel that God will use to pour out his glory here on earth? I don't know about you, but I want to be a mouthpiece. I wanna be a vessel used for his glory. So my one assignment tonight is to get you ready. But my question for you tonight is, will you allow me to challenge you to get yourself ready? Why don't we stand to our feet? If I look mad, I'm not mad. I feel mad, but I'm not. I feel like I'm, I feel like I really have something that, if I don't set this up right, It's not about me, obviously. It's His grace that delivers, right? It's the Holy Spirit that helps. But I feel like this responsibility tonight is a very important one. And if I don't do it diligently, and if I'm not careful to hear Him as He orders my thoughts as I speak tonight, I don't want you to miss out on what I believe will be a paradigm shift for your family, for your business, for your health. We need to be game changers the state of our society. I mean, you hear Anthony yelling about it all the time. The Lord is using us as his ambassadors here on earth. And we've gotta get serious about this thing called following Jesus, picking up our cross. I love self care. Do not let it become the thing that distracts you from the sacrifice of what it means to pick up your cross. If you're too good for something that God's asked you to pick up, reconsider because he'll just make you do it in a different location and you'll just keep being unsatisfied. We'll be like the Israelites who should have taken an 11 day journey to get to their promised land and instead it took 40 years. Say yes now because he he will keep teaching you until you learn humility, servanthood, pruning, process character faithfulness goodness gentleness self-control all the things because he loves us and he doesn't want us to bypass the stuff that he has in store for us his goodness and his mercy will allow us to keep repeating the lessons until we've learned it now let's pray for real hands towards heaven let's go This is just an action this is just an attitude of receiving and it's just an attitude of surrender and tonight we need surrendered hearts to receive the word from heaven father we come before you holy spirit i need your help holy spirit come breathe upon your daughters both in this room in the overflow room and online. All the watch parties right now, Holy Spirit of God, I ask you, would you move right now in those living rooms, in those kitchens? Would you move right now in people's workplaces, people who are still working right now? I sense there's someone right now still at work and you are just so upset that you're missing out this night but the Holy Spirit's gonna touch you right where you are. Don't be upset, you're being faithful, you're being committed, you're being reliable and he will honor you for that. So Holy Spirit, come in this moment Help me help your daughters. Help me help your people. Help me deliver your word, not just with authority, but with love, grace, and humility. I bow before you, King Jesus. Have your way. In your name I pray. Amen. Before you sit down, we're going to read this passage together. It's going to sound really weird until we understand what it's about. First Samuel chapter seven i've been studying the book of samuel and what a timely book it is for me and i got this word probably a few weeks ago just this imagery that we'll talk about in a moment but i want us to just catch this verse verse 12. samuel who was a prophet then took a large stone and placed it between the towns of mizpah and joshanna He named it Ebenezer. Say Ebenezer. Ebenezer. Which means the stone of help. For he said, up to this point, the Lord has helped us. Repeat after me. Up to this point, point, the Lord Lord has helped us. us. Repeat after me. So far, so so God, So God. So so far, so God. Sometimes we say so far, so good, but what is good? So far, so God. Sometimes we've labeled bad things that God's actually put in our place for a reason. So far, so good. So far, so God. You got me. Sit down. Say hi to the girl next to you. If you're a take, wow, you guys are loud. (laughs) Actually, that's good. Keep talking, I need a sip. If you're taking notes, which I hope everyone will, just because, like I said, this message is an assignment, right? So this message is preparation for the next 40 days. And I'm going to tell you a funny story. And I don't know if you've ever heard it before, but um, don't argue with God. He's going to win. And I'm going to tell you, I argued with God today. And, of course, he won. I'm going to tell you the funniest story. So as I was praying and preparing today and... It was a funny moment because I kept hearing the Lord say, Miriam, they have 40 days to prepare. And if you know me and you hang out with me, which for your own good, you don't, trust me, especially when you tell stories. If I know the detail and the story that you're telling is not the correct detail, I'm the person that interrupts my husband 10 times as he's telling a story. No, babe, it was four, not five. No, babe, it wasn't Texas. It was Carolina. He's like, Babe, it's the context that matters. The details don't matter, but I'm a detailed person. Do you guys hear that feedback? Is it this guy right here? I always try these things, and it never works for me. So we're going to get rid of it. If you're online, I'm sorry. I'm coming back to the screen in a second. There you go. Thank you. Can we give Jessica a hand? She's amazing. Um, So I literally hear the Lord say to me, Miriam, these 40 days will be days of preparation. I'm like actually, Lord, it's not 40 days. It's 38. Just, you know, I know you're God, but you missed this detail. And literally I can't, like, that's how annoying I am as a person. And literally the Lord was like, no, Miriam, it's 40 days. In 40 days, I'm going to do this work. I'm like, Lord, I was like, all right, Alexa, how many days until November 3rd? And Alexa goes, there is 38 days until November 3rd, 2023. I was like, see, Lord, he's like 40 days until the work is complete. And I was like, Lord, what day is November 5th? Uh, how many days is November 5th, which is the Sunday the end of conference? Alexa says it is 40 days until November 5th and I was like, "Oh darn it, man. <laughs> don't argue with God." Okay. That was my stupid moment of the day. Hopefully, I don't repeat that again, but I probably will. Anyway, repeat after me. Give it a new meaning. Give it a new meaning. Tell the person next to you, "Give it a new meaning." Give it a new meaning. Last year, at Resilient Woman the Weekend, I had a moment that took me completely off guard. It literally created a paradigm shift in my life. I don't know if all of you in here were at Resilient Woman the Weekend. Is someone in here who's never gone to the weekend? Raise your hand. I hope all y'all have already gotten your tickets because it's gonna go real quick. Wow, that's a lot of you. Get your tickets, because they're gonna sell out real quick. Um, so then you won't know this moment. There was We had an amazing guest speaker, Pastor Havala. Who knows Pastor Havala Bethel? Does anyone remember the Saturday morning session when she had us look at the wall? Okay, anyone enjoy that part? Anyone anyway, sob like a baby in that part? Yeah, yeah. So when she was like, you know, getting us ready for that moment, okay, I'm confession of a pastor, you know me, I tell you my good, bad, and ugly. Um, when she was saying, okay, everyone's going to stand, everyone's going to look at the wall, I was like, oh my gosh, I've done this a million times. Okay, look at your past, I'm sorry, Lord, forgive me. You know, I was kind of like, you know, here we go, you know, smiling though, because everyone's watching the pastor in the front row, so I'm smiling. And, you know, I looked to the wall, and little did I know, as I was w- looking at the wall in that moment... It was like something that I completely forgot about that happened 18 years ago in a little church basement with 10 people around a table on this big white board. There was this little 23, 24-year-old girl named Miriam with big dreams, big hopes, and big faith. And I was right, and Mila, I think you're in here, Mila was in that room with us when we were planting the church. She was one of the first people in my parents' basement, and she came with us as we started, and she's still here 18 years later putting up with me. (laughs) And I'll never forget Mila, her husband, and a few others were in this basement in this church And I was like, we're going to impact, and I wrote this huge number on this board, and I'll never forget. But the funny thing is, I actually forgot about that moment. And I'm going to tell you why I forgot that moment. Because year after year after year had gone by, and all I saw was small. 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 All I saw was small and small. So much so that I was like questioning my call and my assignment. There was times where I said to Anthony, are you sure we're supposed to do this? This is not what I thought. This is not what God, I thought God had showed us. I had expectations as we came back from our mission, our uh, ministry school. Like, I was like, we know what we're doing, knew nothing, and are only now learning a little bit, you know? And I'm just like, and so for years, I went from Having this big expectation to like, well, we'll just steward well what's here. I didn't know what was actually happening in my soul as the years went on. And as I looked to the wall, it was almost like the Holy Spirit took me back to that moment in that basement and reminded me of what that faith looked like. And in that moment when Pastor Hov, and so then I started sobbing because I didn't realize. That my faith, when it came to believing for the house of God, believing even for a resilient woman, my team will tell you, I fought for us to not go to this conference, like to this Bergen pack. Ashley was the one like, we need to go, we need to go. I'm like, no, this is nice, it's comfortable. She's like, no. And so they were like pushing us forward in this. And it's weird. Normally it's the leader, right, that's pushing you forward. And, and I didn't understand what had happened. And it was in that moment the Holy Spirit showed me what had happened. And so when Pastor Havilah said, turn and look at the other wall, I was like, now I'm good. Because I was scared at what he was going to tell me. And I was afraid of getting disappointed again. And so I kind of did one of these, right? We're looking at the wall. I'm sobbing. And it's disgusting. I, there's like boogers, like mascara everywhere. It was just a mess. I'm like, no one look at me. And she's like, okay, turn the other way. And of course, everyone's watching you. So you're like, I'll turn just to obey. But I'm going to go 75%, not 100%, you know? So I'm like, I'm not going to turn fully, fully, because if I turn fully, the Holy Spirit might actually tell me something I don't want to hear. So I was being disobedient, you know? So I'm here. And then finally, Holy Spirit kicks my butt. I looked over at the wall. And in that moment... I heard these words, small, no, more. I could tell you in this moment that I was excited, but I was petrified because I was like, God, I don't want to do this again. I was happy, I was running my race, I was doing what you were calling me to do. Why are you challenging my faith again? I had been there. I had done that. And I was so caught up in that moment. I had believed for years. I, I, everything for so long was so small. I understood small beginnings and how important they were. I understood that we needed small beginnings. And, but the problem was year after year, I only saw small and small to me meant failure. Small to me meant no promotion. Small to me meant maybe God didn't think I was good enough to entrust me with more. But in that moment, he gave the word small a new meaning to me. The word no longer meant failure. It meant it was being reassigned. It meant continual obedience. It meant faithful in my race. It meant continual surrender. It meant the producing of my character, the writing of our story, not someone else's success story. I had seen small as bad, but small was his plan and his provision at that time, not just for his kingdom, but for me. You see, I thought, earthly speaking, small was bad, but he was giving it a new meaning. But the problem is when we look with earthly eyes, we only see earthly meanings, but when we have kingdom perspective, like I talked about on Sunday, then all of a sudden we get new meaning to a word that perhaps could be painful in other seasons. He didn't just give my disappointment a new meaning. Once I understood and was able to appreciate this divine timing, that disappointment became the source of my praise. And once I could praise, he could move me. Small had a new meaning. But not only did he give the word small a new meaning, he said, Miriam, mark this moment. And literally, it was like something like this. he was like look this is a memorial before what was your disappointment what you thought was failure what you thought was maybe thinking that God couldn't entrust you today I'm making you mark the moment because I'm giving it a new meaning yeah. I'm changing what the definition of that word was in your heart mark the moment I believe that many women at Resilient Woman the Weekend will experience the reassigning of a meaning to something that has been your source of discouragement, disappointment, and your sense of failure. He is going to give it a new meaning, and I believe at the Weekend you will have a drop the stone Ebenezer moment, but you got to get ready. I believe that at the Weekend many close to a thousand women will have a drop the stone Ebenezer moment and you might be like what the heck is a drop the stone Ebenezer moment well let's get into the word you ready For those who don't know a lot about biblical history, the nation of Israel or the Israelites are God's chosen people. And all throughout their history, we see their yo-yo effect of them either serving God or disobeying God, hearts uh, turned toward God or away from God, their rebellion or their repentance. And you would think after knowing the history of your own people, you would actually like get it together and stop disobeying the Lord because you know it doesn't end well. Well, we're going to pick up a story from the book of 1 Samuel chapters 4 through 7, and I'm going to summarize it for you because it's a lot of chapters. In chapter 4, Israel is at war with the Philistines. If you don't know a lot about who the Philistines are, who knows Goliath? David takes a slingshot, takes him out. Okay, this is Goliath's people, the Philistines. These two nations were major rivals, Israel and the Philistines. Am I saying that right? Philistines. And they are at this place called Ebenezer. Say Ebenezer. Ebenezer. Put a pin in that. That's important for you to remember. The place where they had their first battle was called Ebenezer. The Philistines were big and they crushed the Israelites on the first day and they lost 4,000 men in one day. So the remaining army of the Israelites come back to their tents and they're like, what are we going to do? These guys are strong. And without consulting God, they're like, why don't we take the Ark of the Covenant, which represents the presence of God, why don't we take it with us into battle because then surely we'll get victory. If you don't know what the Ark of the Covenant is, it's a gold-plated wooden chest that was instrumental to represent God's presence. It It housed the tablets, the Ten Commandments, it housed a bunch of other things, and it was very important. And God had very specific instructions on how the Ark would be handled and who could handle it and where it was to be kept. So without seeking God about it, they took the Ark with them into battle and discarded the very specific way, the Ark, the presence of the Lord should have been handled. Well, you see, the Israelites see the ark coming, and they're thinking, oh, God must have approved this moment. So all of a sudden, the Israelites are excited. The ark is coming. We're going to beat the Philistines. And when the Philistines see that they're all celebrating, they're like, why are they celebrating? They see the ark of the Lord, and they're like, Crap, we better get it together and we got to fight harder than ever. Well, sure enough, the Philistines take out the Israelites and kill 30,000 men that second day of the battle. They were literally annihilated and the Ark of the Covenant was stolen. They took the Ark with them. That moment at Ebenezer was one of the most catastrophic military losses in Israel's history. So much so that their spiritual leader, Eli, when he heard not only about the 30,000 men, but that the Ark of the Lord was stolen, he fell off his chair and died. It was Israel's worst nightmare. Ebenezer was now a place and a name that bore so much pain, shame, and regret. But now we're going to pick up the story of what happens 20 years after the Ark of the Covenant gave problems to the Philistines. So seven months later, they're like, here, we don't want this anymore. Clearly, you can have it. But 20 years goes by, and the Israelites are mourning because they're like, why do we feel like God has abandoned us? Why do we feel like God, our creator, we're his chosen people, we've been set apart. Why does it feel like he's abandoned us? The Israelites told Samuel this, and, 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 and he was like, well, probably because you keep living a life like you are not set apart. Maybe it's time to come back and turn back to the Lord. And Samuel said, well, if you miss him, as you should, return back to him. Return to the Lord with all your heart. Get rid of your idols. Get rid of the things you put first before God. Get rid of the practices you've adopted from other nations and obey God alone. Get rid of the mindsets, he's saying. You see, Israel as a nation that was supposed to be set apart, they were so involved in the worship of other gods, they were so involved in the practices of other religions, that you can no longer see who the people of Israel were because they look like the world. They look like the rest of the people around them. And God's people, not that we're better or holier than thou, but we are called to be set apart. We should look different. We should act different. We should talk different. We should smile different. So Samuel calls them to repentance, to turn their hearts back to God. 1 Samuel chapter 7, 3 through 6. Then Samuel said to all the people of Israel, If you would want to return to the Lord with all your hearts, get rid of your foreign gods and your images of Astareth. Turn your hearts to the Lord and obey him alone. Then he will rescue you from the Philistines. So the Israelites got rid of their images of Baal and Astaroth and worshipped only the Lord. Then Samuel told them, Gather all of Israel to Mizpah, And I will pray to the Lord for you. So they gathered at Mizpah and in a great ceremony, drew water from a well, hear this now, and poured it out before the Lord. They also went without food all day and confessed that they had sinned against the Lord. See, the interesting thing about when people gather with the purpose to turn their hearts to God, to worship, to consecrate, to confess, is the enemy sees it as an opportunity to attack. You see, anytime we gather as a women, as a group of women, if it, if it was like a hard day today, if you feel like everything was under your skin, if like traffic seemed longer, if, like, if it was like hard to get here, there's a reason. If it seems like it's hard for you to commit to Resilient Woman the weekend, then get your ticket all the faster. If anything is stopping you from coming to church, that's the service you're supposed to go to. There's always an attack on your progress in your walk with God. So the Philistines saw that they were gathered at this place, Mizpah. And they went on mission to attack. And so as they saw them, the Israelites were like, oh my gosh, the the Philistines are coming. And they were begging Samuel, Samuel here, we poured out our heart before God. We're turning our hearts back to him. We got rid of our idols. We're fasting, we're praying. Please beg God to give us victory on this day. Now, this is the moment I want you to catch. Remember, the Philistines have been the worst enemy and their most feared enemy they've ever had. Their worst battles has been at the hands of the Philistines. So in verse 12, what we read earlier, Samuel then took a large stone and placed it between the towns of Mizpah and Jashunah. He named it Ebenezer, which means the stone of help. For he said, up to this point, the Lord has helped us. Catch this. Ebenezer was the town where the Israelites first got annihilated. I don't think you caught that. Ebenezer was the town where the battle first happened. Fast forward, the people of Israel turned their hearts back to God, and then the the prophet Samuel got the rock, placed the rock down, and he called that moment, that place, Ebenezer. He gave the word a different meaning. See, before when the Israelites thought of Ebenezer, they thought about the devastation, the loss, the failure, the heartbreak. He thought about the failure. They thought about their backslidden ways. They thought about all the things that had failed them. But in that moment, the prophet of the Lord prophesied over the people. And he said, now I call this place Ebenezer. I give it a new meaning. I give it a new meaning. Sometimes we've been giving things earthly meanings that God has not called bad. And we need to give it a kingdom meaning, a different meaning. He said, I'm placing this stone here and I'm calling it not just the place of your experience. I'm calling it by its original meaning, the stone of help. You see, we call the season. How about COVID? We call 2020 like pre-COVID, after COVID, right? Everything is about an experience. Oh, remember the dark ages. Everything is about a circumstance. We label our life based on our seasons. And so he, Samuel, prophesies in that moment, drops the stone, marks it to commemorate the place of victory. And he's like, I don't want you thinking anymore about Ebenezer as a place of failure. I want you thinking it now as not just a place of victory, but a place where the page has turned and you're moving forward. Some of you, when you think of your childhood, the word that comes to your mind is painful. Some of you, when you think of your marriage, the word that comes to your mind is decimated or over. Some of you, when you think of motherhood, you think it's not in the cards for you. When you think of careers and calling, you think you're not good enough. When you think of your parents, you think divorce. There are certain words attached to certain things and experiences in our life. And I wonder, I just wonder after these 40 days if the words that we've attached to things that have been a source of pain as we fast, as we turn to God, as we confess our sins, as we repent. I wonder, I just wonder if we prophesy tonight, if we declare tonight that there will be an Ebenezer moment, that we will give new meaning to the things that have been a source of pain. I wanna to talk to the youth for a moment. If you're young and here, I know many of you maybe have been blessed with a beautiful childhood. Maybe you haven't, maybe you have, maybe at this point, you know, some bumps along the road, you know, friends are being annoying, you know, that aged middle school, high school, like my friend, man, yeah, there's always drama, 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 drama. And, uh, and one of the things I will say, the lessons for you tonight, if you are young and here, don't get led astray by the ways of the world. Don't turn your heart away from God. Don't take these moments for granted because so many young people don't have the privilege of being able to sit in the house of God and learn from the word of God so that when you get older, you don't get broken by the world, but instead you impact the world. See, the the beauty of being raised in the house of God, the beauty of being raised in the house of God is you don't need to get battered by the world. So young people do not take for granted the gift of sitting under The word of God in the house of God and fearless. Do not take it for granted. Right now your problems might seem like a little friend or or this or that. But the truth is, if you keep following Jesus and if you keep honoring his word and if you keep loving him, he will protect you. I'm not saying life will be easy, but it will be a different outcome than sometimes those who've gone through the world, been battered by the world, and have come to the house of God to be mended back together again. I don't know if there's any older people in here who wished you were raised in the house of God. I believe there will be a deep work that will be done between today and the last day of the weekend. A real purifying. The word, right, the theme of the weekend is consuming fire. And that is a purifying. God himself is a consuming fire but what happens when a fire comes, it purifies, right? If you put gold in the fire, when a miner, when a jeweler is, is making jewelry and is making beautiful things that you like to have on your fingers and ears and, and, and you know, wrists and stuff, and when they put gold, the metals in fire, they keep putting it in the fire so that the impurities can come up. And the jeweler does it until he can see his reflection in that piece of metal, and that's what God does with us. Sometimes he allows us to go through the fire because he wants the impurities in our life to come up and out. He wants the impurities. He wants our flesh. He wants our character to be purified. He wants us to get pruned so we can look more and more like him. I believe there will be a real purifying, a real consecration. What's consecration exactly? We don't talk about it enough. It's holiness. Oh, we got to bring holiness back, a real turning of our hearts to God. And with it, an Ebenezer moment where we drop the stone and give our past a new meaning. Man, I'm tired of testimonies that sound boo-hoo all the time. A testimony is not supposed to be sad. It's actually supposed to be victorious. And too many times, we just repeat, oh, my childhood. I'm not undermining the pain. I sat once in a diner with a woman, and she told me the stuff she went through in her childhood. And I thought to myself, I will never complain ever again about what I thought were my childhood issues. Her parents would burn her with cigarette butts. Her parents would leave her to starve outside. And we have sometimes the audacity to think, oh, I'm not saying your story doesn't have painful moments attached to it. I'm not saying that, I just like I said on Sunday, we sometimes need to get some grit, we sometimes need to get some tough skin and say, I'm redefining my past. I'm renaming my past. The enemy wants it to say a sob story, but we've gotta stop feeling sorry for ourselves. Because as far as I'm concerned, I'm the head and not the tail. And as far as I'm concerned, I'm more than a conqueror. And as far as I'm concerned, there is the lion and the lamb that lives within me, the lion of Judah, and I don't need a sob story. I need a victory song. I don't need a sob story about my past, about what a man did to me, about what a father did to me, or an uncle did to me. I need praise on my lips because that's how I graduate. You want to graduate? Stop complaining. Start praising. Drop your stone. Rename your past. Rename your past. Oh, you don't know my story. I don't know your story, but I know your future because if God holds your life, your future is secure in Him. Instead of grief, we can have victory. Look, I'm not, I know I sound like a jerk by saying this. No, I'm serious. I know some of you, life was hard. And maybe it's still hard. And I speak like this, not because I'm not sensitive, but because I've seen the goodness in the land of the living. I've seen the goodness of God. And you might think, oh, but Pastor Miriam, your life's been perfect and your life's been easy. You want me to sit down with you and tell you some parts of my life? But I just know where my hope comes from. I know that this life is not that, all that there is to live. I just, I don't know what it is. There's this thing where, and I've done it before. I, I, like, I've done it before. Where you just want people to feel sorry for how busy you are. You want people to feel sorry for your past. You want people, why do we do that? Like, We want people to feel sorry for this or for that. And I just, I had to stop recently and ask myself the question, why do we do that? Why do we want people's sympathy? Do we not know who we are? Do we not know whose we are? So then why do we need sympathy? We're the ones that should be giving grace. We're the ones that should be giving strength. We're the ones who should be giving courage. We're the ones who should be giving prophetic words, but we want people to feel sorry for us. As far as I'm concerned, we live in America and we've got first world problems, but we want people to feel sorry for us. I know this is hard, but you know, when I speak hard, it's because I'm for you. And you know, when I speak hard, it's because we've got to get grits. We've got to get tougher. My heart has always been, I said, Lord, if you want me to start this women's ministry, then It has to be that it's about building strong women because I'm tired of seeing women's ministry that's just about their little teas and it's just about bless you sister and bless you Margaret and bless you Emma and and that's beautiful and if you're Margaret and Emma, I love you and I'll have tea with you but like I've been around a long time. I know I'm only 21 still but still I've been around. Why are you laughing? You don't believe me or something? Do I not look 21? Don't answer that but anyway. I've been around the block long enough that I ran from starting a women's ministry because I refuse for it to be just pretty. I was like, if it's not building strong women, I don't want anything to do with it. And if people can't handle the truth, if people can't handle getting stepped on, if people can't handle it, look, all are welcome. But we've got to build an army of resilient women who will make a difference. So if I sound harsh, just think of a parent that says, don't touch the hot stove. It's because I'm for you. And because I had a youth leader who would tell me off on a regular basis. And she was amazing. She put me in my, I hated her at times. I was like, she's so mean. And she's so, and she's the shortest thing you've ever seen, but she's a firecracker. And to this day, I love her very much. And, and she would put me in my place. And I didn't understand it, but oh, how I now appreciate it. I mean, she would like, man, if she was my mother, I think she'd beat me on a regular basis. Because <laughs> she was constantly like, Miriam, I'm calling you up to a bigger level. Miriam, this is not your this is not your standard of living. You're better than this. Miriam, come on. She just kept lifting me up to another standard. You're better than this. Come on. You're stronger than this. Come on. You're called for more. Don't get into that relationship. Don't waste your time. I'm like, but he's cute. Who cares? He'll ruin your life and break your heart. Come on. Let's go. Let's go and you need someone who will love you enough to tell you the truth yeah. Can I have the worst the pan? angel can we put our hands together for angel? How do we get our hearts ready for resilient woman the weekend? How do we get ready for our Ebenezer moment? How do we get ready for the moment when it t- it's time to give? something a new meaning pain Grief, loss, failure. How are we going to prepare for it? How are we going to prepare for the moment when we're at the weekend and the Holy Ghost shows up and a prophetic word comes out and he says, this is the hour, but you're not ready. Because here's the thing. After the weekend, there's lots to process. But if you come to the weekend prayed up, fasted, prepared, repented, since confessed, in that very moment, the revelation you can get can be so much more because you came ready. What, what you sow into, so, into the soil, like the good stuff that you put into the soil will be the fruits that you get. So start putting the good stuff in the soil now so that you get a harvest, not after conference, but during conference. Yeah. Sometimes we get to the end of conference and we're like, that was such a great conference. What did you get out of it? I don't know. Worship was great. And that's great. But you know that we can idolize worship sometimes? Yeah. Do you know that? I've heard people say, and I hope I'm going to articulate this in a good way. Help me, Lord, because I don't want to like sound horrible maybe I do I don't know long time ago I heard someone say oh I love the worship but I don't get anything out of the church and I'm like what so you like the? what do you mean you like the worship? I'm like tell me what do you mean you like the worship oh it feels really good I'm like but worship is not for you So if you're not there to actually worship the king of kings, if you're just singing about songs that make you feel good, then you're missing worship. And you're actually, hear this, you know what you're doing, you're playing with the presence of God and he doesn't like it. You don't mess with the presence of God. You don't mess with things like worship. The other day I heard a story, actually it was a while ago, it was during my my sabbatical. I heard a story that during worship there were these two girls who were like making comments about one of our married people and like flirting. I was indignant. I was like, during worship? During worship, they were like, oh my God, he's so hot. I'm like, show me who they are. (laughs) Literally, show me who they are. Worship is holy. Worship isn't so that we feel good. Worship is for the king because he's worthy and and if we over familiarize ourselves with the moment of reverence and worship and and honor to the king, do you not realize what happens? Don't over familiarize yourself with the worship of the king. You don't come so that it makes you feel better, you come because he's worthy of your praise. Worship is so much more than a good feeling. It's so much more than your journey. about he is the king he is holy he is worthy he died for me what a privilege it is to be enraptured in the wonder of a king that's what it is oh don't lose sight of what worship really is or else you'll idolize the people who lead it instead of seeing them as servants who are there to usher you into the presence of God but the presence of God is there for us to enthrone his praise it's there for us to pour ourselves out it's there for us so that we can remember his goodness so that we can remember the Ebenezer stone drop moment where we have so much defeat but instead he changes the narrative of that defeat and he gives it a new meaning what do the people of Israel do to get ready for this Ebenezer moment it's the same thing God's been asking people to do from the moment he created male and female it's the same thing in first Samuel 736 he said to the people of Israel if you want to return to the Lord with all your hearts get rid of your foreign gods and your images of Ashtoreth turn your hearts to the Lord and obey him alone then he will rescue you from the Philistines then Samuel told them gather all of Israel to Mizpah, and I will pray to the Lord So they gathered at Mizpah and in a great ceremony and a great resilient woman one night, they drew water from a well and poured it out before the Lord. And they also went without food all day and confessed that they had sinned against the Lord. Turn your hearts to the Lord. Some of us don't even realize that we've turned our hearts away from the Lord and have made our pain our Lord we've made our experiences our Lord our unmet expectations our anger our unforgiveness our insecurities our entitlements we've made that our Lord and you might be asking how have I made that our Lord you see the Lord of your life is what you bow down to it's what you obey do you obey your bitterness do you obey your jealousy It's who or what we put our trust in. Are your aspirations what God told you to aspire for? Does God have you in a season because there's a pruning that he wants to do, yet you're dying to get out of the season that you're not ready or mature to leave it yet? And then you get mad. You're like, why am I in this season again? Because he's been trying to teach you. And then you go out of his grace zone, away from where he had you, and you just have to repeat it again. Turn your hearts to the Lord some of us need to turn to the Lord and stop turning to fear turn to the Lord and stop turning to excuses turn to the Lord instead of turning to offense turn to the Lord instead of turning to sex and pornography and overeating and numbing yourself we got to talk about those things too with the women women have sex addictions too women deal with pornography sometimes too We don't like talking about it because it's uncomfortable and like, oh, she said sex and she said porn in church, but it's real. If the world can talk about it, the church should talk about it even more. And the problem is because we don't talk about it, there's so many people hidden in sin in that area because they're ashamed to talk about it. There's more people in here that probably deal with porn that you would be surprised about. turn to the Lord. As we get our hearts ready for the weekend, there is a question I want you to put on your notes section on your phone or in your journal, because this is what I want you guys to ask the Lord for the next 40 days. Ask the Holy Spirit, have we turned our hearts towards anything else other than you? Have we turned our hearts? Have I turned my focus off of God and made it about something else? Be careful with entitlement. Oh, be careful. It sneaks in. It's a little thought, must be nice. Be careful. Oh, be careful. The second thing they poured their heart out. When they went together as a company of people, they went to the well and they drew the water and they poured the water out before the Lord. And this was a representation of humility, of surrender and repentance. They had a moment where they were like, oh my gosh, What have we been doing these last 20 years? God, I pour it all out before you. I surrender, forgive me. God, I can't believe it. God, forgive me for my selfishness. Forgive me for when I went to the idols. Forgive me when I turned my back on you and did what my flesh wanted to do. And they had a moment of reckoning with themselves, and they laid before the floor as they poured out their heart before God. And they said, God, take all of me. Pour out all of your hearts, even the parts that hurt, even the parts that have left you disappointed, even the part of your faith that you're embarrassed to say that, I don't want to believe again. I've said that so many times. And God still uses me. He's still doing a good work in me. He's still cleaning me. He's still sanctifying me. He's still cleansing me. And if he could do it in me, he can do it in you. But we got to be real with where we're at. And we got to say, God, I, I'm disappointed in this area. God, I'm going to pour it out right here. I'm going to pour out my fear of failure. I'm going to pour out my fear of this. I'm going to pour out my... Can you stop making your confidence an idol? Some people are so obsessed about making confidence an idol that they actually live in insecurity for decades. Because if it's not insecurity, it winds up being pride. It's the same thing anyway. Same type of sin pour it all out, pour it all out, man, I I, I encourage you over the next 40 days, find yourself on the side of your bed, laid before the Lord, can we be those people who get on our knees again, can we be those people that face plant again, and just say, God, come have your way, God, I want to encounter you, but we got to prepare our hearts, before the conference, before the weekend, lay before the Lord God. I surrender, God. I want you to have all of me. God, I declare that I am your daughter and I will turn my back on anything that has tried to rob me of my attention on you. Pour your heart out. Number three, they fasted. I don't like this one. But it's powerful. They gave up something natural to obtain something supernatural, a closer, intimate walk with their God. Hyper self-care has this thinking that dying to self is bad for us. No, listening to the model of the world is bad for us. Dying to self does not mean you don't take care of yourself. Dying to self does not mean you don't take care of your body. Dying to self does not mean you don't go get your massage once a month or however you do, boo-boo, okay? Dying to self does not mean that. Doesn't mean you can't do that. Dying to self means I have my desires, but I desire you more. I have my desires, but if they don't align with your desires, I don't want these desires. That's dying to self. It's picking up your cross and following him. Whether you're a teacher, whether you're an organizer, whether you're an administrator, whether you're a musician, I don't care what you do and where you do it, pick up your cross and turn to Jesus. They fasted. Maybe some of you need to fast for the next 40 days. I know a few of us, many of us actually are doing 40 days and whatever that looks like. Maybe you do a full day one day of fasting as you prepare your hearts. Maybe you do it once a week. We have six weeks left. This Friday will be five weeks. So maybe you do five days, whatever, pray about it. But fast for the 40 days, fast for the conference. Number four, this is important. They confessed that they sinned against the Lord. For some reason, Christians think just because we don't do the whole Catholic confession thing with the priest that we don't need confession in our life. Just because we don't go knock on some door and say, excuse me, priest, I have sinned. I think that's what they say, something like that. Tell me your sin, son or daughter. I called my mom a bad name. Okay, well, I forgive you. Something like that. I've seen it in movies. But do you know what? They didn't get it from some random place. They got it from the Bible. Confessing your sins to one another is biblical. So the Catholics are not off. They're actually right. And believe it or not, I feel like too many Christians are still living bound because they have unconfessed sin that they haven't dealt with. Do you know sometimes I think, sometimes you might just think about the big sins, right? Oh, you know, I don't get drunk so I don't need to ask for forgiveness or I don't sleep around or I don't think this. But like, what about the little mindsets that creep in? Do you know how many times I have to be like, Lord, do I have any unconfessed sin in my life? And sometimes he's like, yeah, you do. I was like, no, I'm perfect. (laughs) Come on, (laughs) you're kidding, right? And he'll be like, the time you said that, the time you gave that person that look, the time, and I was like, all right, settle down. I get it, I get it. But it's the little things that sometimes the Bible talks about. It's the little foxes that spoil the the vines. It's the little things. It's the little mindsets. It's the little attitudes. It's the little things of entitlement. It's the little, I'm better than this. It's the better. It's the little ones that spoil the vine. And if we don't, that's why we do communion every month. You can do communion every week. You can do communion every day. What's communion? It's a time to remember what Jesus has done. It's how we stay, our fo- it's how we stay focused on Christ. What's communion? It's, it's a moment to look inside and be like, where have I fallen short? What, what sin have I not confessed? And sometimes we think of the word sin and we're like, oh, big bad word, sin, ah. No, it just means we're human and we missed the mark and God is so good, he gives us the opportunity to repent and confess our sins so that sin has no hold on you. Can we stop making confession and repentance like a big, bad word where we should be ashamed of it? No, 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 no. It's God's grace and provision for us. When He allows us to confess, and when He allows us to repent, it's His way of saying, "This thing doesn't need to have a hold on you. But if you don't deal with it, if you don't confess it to me, then I can't cleanse you of your sin before the weekend. Go on a journey over these next 40 days where you say, Lord, search by heart. Is there anything in me that doesn't belong to you? This is Christian 101 exactly, but not enough Christians do it. Father, if there's any mindset, if there's any attitude, if there's any thought, if there's any pride, if there's any this or any that, reveal it to me. I'm not saying this so that you can strive in your walk with Christ. I'm saying so that you could be free in your walk with Christ. Reveal to me, Holy Spirit. the Israelites turned back to God. They poured out their heart to God. They fasted and they confessed their sin. They had their Ebenezer moment where they got to give Ebenezer a new meaning. Before Ebenezer represented their pain, their loss, the annihilation of their people, it represented everything of what they didn't want to remember. And the prophet Samuel came and gave it new meaning he breathed new life into the word that represented their failure and said this word no longer represents that failure it now represents the lord is my helper the stone of help you know what's funny about the stone of help who's the rock of ages it's jesus it's almost like a picture of what Jesus would do. You see, Jesus, he comes into your life when you've made a mess of things, when you've thought you could be your own God. And when we put down the rock, he comes in an Ebenezer moment, the rock of ages, and he turns what the enemy has turned for bad, and he turns it for good. That's what the rock of ages does. That's what Jesus does. Over these next 40 days, will you Pray. Will you fast? Will you turn your heart? And some of you might be like, well, you know, I go to church, I'm in Bible college, I serve, I'm a leader, I'm on the worship team, my heart is turned to God. Check again. You could do all the things and be far from God. I'm not saying it to condemn you. It's because I'm for you, right? I want you to be near God. It's a simple question. No one's gonna be like, what did God tell you? You're far from Him? No, it's you and God. If he tells you, hey, actually, you've been turning towards anger, you've been turning towards pride, you've been turning towards entitlement, that's a you and God moment. No one's gonna be there like, shame on you. No, it's a moment. <laughs> Someone thought I was funny. Sometimes, I'm not as funny as Aunt, but I try. We're not better than anyone else. Like I said Sunday, the dirt is leveled at the cross. He just wants you to turn to him. He just wants you to encounter him have an intimate moment with him let go of the idols let go of the things that you run to when you're down and run to him I have this bizarre expectation which is not a surprise because God always shows up when we gather and we're hungry and we have faith resilient woman the weekend will be something you've never experienced before. Not because Alex Seeley will be there, not because I'm speaking, not because Pastor V is speaking, but because the Holy Spirit will be present. Because a whole company of women are praying and expecting him. And you know why else? Because we're not going to make the worship about our experience. We're going to make the worship about the King of Kings being worshiped. So I will say this. Saturday night is the release of our album. It's exciting. It's exciting for the worship team, but do not lose sight of what that is about. That night is about enthroning the praises of the King of Kings. It's not a celebrity moment. It's not an autograph moment. It's not a nothing moment. It's the King of Kings because if he doesn't get enthroned with our praises, we wasted our time. It was for nothing. So come with your hearts prepared not to just a new song. Wow, you're amazing. Wow, you're the king. Let's not treat the worship of the king with contempt, with over-familiarity. 40 days till conference. How will you prepare to be continued? Can you stand to your feet? Tonight, I felt the Lord say was not gonna be a drop the stone moment. I know maybe some of you tonight thought it was gonna be a drop the stone moment. Maybe some of you tonight wanted it to be this like powerful deliverance, like lay hands and all the demons are going to flee and all that stuff. And and when we gather, crazy things happen. Let's talk about it, right? But I felt like the Holy Spirit said, if they don't prepare for what I'm going to do, then they're just chasing moments anyway. Chase the Lord and chase what He's saying and chase the prophecy of the house of what the word of the house is. Sorry, the word of the Lord is for the house. Don't chase the goosebumps. Some people just chase the goosebumps. No. Prepare your heart. He is the King and He deserves our attention, He deserves our reverence. But at the same time, it says to have joy in his presence. So we're gonna have the time of our lives at the weekend because holiness is not bitterness, because holiness is not like we're bored and we're angry. No, holiness is jumping in the Holy Spirit. It's praising, it's laughing, it's enjoying each other, but keeping Jesus at the center. Will you be praying for the weekend? Will you be preparing for the weekend? I guarantee you, After conference, there's gonna be emails that flood us, that talk about giving a new meaning to what what once was pain. There's gonna be a lot of new meanings coming to many of you. This is a prophetic word. I feel it, and this was my assignment. Now your assignment is to go prepare your hearts, your mind, your soul. If you have unforgiveness, just like communion, if you have unforgiveness in your heart, if you have accounts that have not been dealt with, do not show up at the weekend until you deal with that. Come clean. Because if you come clean already, what will be poured into you will just overflow. Come on, let's pray. Father, I love you. Would you forgive us when we've made it about ourselves? Would you forgive us when we've even made resilient woman about ourselves? Forgive us when we're distracted more with the lights and the beauty and the flowers and the great Instagram posts and lose sight of what it really is all about. Jesus, you are king. Lord, simply you've taught us the same thing from the beginning of time. You want our hearts. You want our attention. You want our focus. You're the lover of our soul. Thank you that in your goodness, you reassign the name of our pain and you give it new meaning thank you that in this room and in the overflow and in online, there's a lot of Ebenezer stories that are painful. But I thank you that in these next 40 days, you're going to be doing a work in the hearts of your daughters that will rewrite the ending of what they thought was their story. Actually, yeah, for some of you, I, I feel this nudge to say this some of you have turned the page to another chapter and even though we're the kind of people that move forward there's a few of you who've closed up a chapter but God said I wasn't done with that chapter and actually you're gonna go back a page and he's gonna rewrite the ending of that chapter some of you have closed your book and he said I wasn't done writing your story, specifically three people. I don't know why I have the number three in my mind right now, but three people. I feel like he's ministering right now to those people. There's three people who you've given up on something, but he didn't say it was time to give up. And the Bible tells us to guard our heart. But too many Christians guard their heart in the wrong way. Don't guard your heart against God. And don't guard your heart against what he wants to do. Give him permission to reopen the book and rewrite the end of that story. There's a few sentences missing. And he wants to write it. The way he writes it is better than however we could write it. Like always, we believe that anxiety will be healed at the weekend. Depression will be healed at the weekend. We're believing for bodies to be healed at the weekend. We're believing for things to be restored at the weekend. I see the Holy Spirit already moving. He's already ministering to hearts. closing the book. He's not done. But Pastor Miriam, it's too painful to reopen that book again. That's all right. He's going to give that pain a new meaning. He's going to give your pain a new meaning. He's going to give that defeat a new meaning. Your discouragement will have a new meaning. from the process of him pruning you and humbling you. Can we lift our hands towards heaven if you're not already? I believe in this moment he's actually going to drop in your heart something that you're going to start seeking him about. Maybe a pain or something that every time you think about it It's a source of pain. I'm sure if I mentioned to the majority of people who are over 25, if I say to you what's been the source of your pain, there'll be something. Rejection, divorce, miscarriage, cancer, diabetes, parents divorce. There's been something that's been the source of your pain. And I believe tonight he'll unlock that in you. And for the next 40 days, you're going to write about it. And you're going to talk to God about it. And you're going to weep to the Holy Spirit about it. And you're going to argue. And you're going to wrestle with God about it. And that's cool. He invites you into the wrestle. He's like, come on, I'm bigger than you. I I got you. (laughs) But that's how you begin your healing. It's not just in a moment in a service like tonight. Too many people think it's, I'm going to hear the word and in a moment, I'm going to get that one word. and It's going to change everything. No, no, no. It's the process. It's if you don't get this, then you don't get it. It's the process. It's the next 40 days. Take the next 40 days. You know the 40 days in the Bible has major significance. It means new beginnings. It means transformation. It means taking you from one level to the next. Anytime people fasted or did anything for 40 days, it was the end of the 40 days was always transformational. If you want transformation, you have to commit to the process. And I'm gonna say something. You're gonna think this is just a, a gimmick. Some of you have not bought your tickets already. How do I know? Because. We have about 400 women registered already. And I know the last 2 weeks last year, the last 2 weeks is when the majority of tickets were purchased. And I know you I know it mean it's no intention. It's not you don't mean harm, but can I actually change your thinking? If you're planning on coming, then buy the ticket and commit. Why? Because that's preparation. It's actually a spiritual component. You're committing. It's actually connected. Believe it or not. It is connected to your preparation. Oh, I'll get it, it's, I'll, I'll get it, I'll have time. And then before you know it, there's no more seats. And your procrastination, this word will set someone free. Procrastination can be your worst enemy. Stop delaying what God already told you to do and do it. I'm not, now I'm not just talking about tickets, I'm talking about unforgiveness. I'm talking about whatever it is that he's already put on your heart that you wanna run away from, but he's saying, don't run, don't turn your heart from me. Some of you have to have a conversation with the person you don't wanna have a conversation with. Father, thank you so much that you are the God that rewrites our stories. Thank you That we'll have an Ebenezer moment where we drop the stone and we remember the defeat, but now the beautiful victory that came. I thank you, God, that what the enemy has turned, has tried to turn for our harm, you will turn into good. I thank you that no weapon formed against us will prosper. I thank you that you are with us. Your staff and your rod, they comfort us. I want to end, but I don't I, I don't feel like I'm allowed to end right now. I feel like the Holy Spirit's still doing a work. So I want to be sensitive. Some of you might be done and you're like ready to go, but I feel like God is still doing surgery and he's still revealing stuff and he's showing you some mindsets, some lack of belief. He's showing you some stuff that you didn't even know was there. You, you, you thought you were, you thought you were turning to God, but you were actually turning to other things. Father, seal the work. Actually, don't seal it yet. Seal it on the 40th day. But I think your daughters are ready. And I think they're hungry to hear and to go on this 40-day journey with you. God, I can't even imagine the incredible testimonies and the incredible breakthroughs and the incredible miracles that we will get to witness because your daughters prepared the soil of their heart. They came with pure hearts and clean hands. They came with repentance, with confessed sins, and they fasted and they paid the price to encounter the glory of your name. Forgive us when we've taken it for granted. Be with your daughters tonight.